advocacy, activism. What are you going to do about it? You're listening to a special town hall conversation about Joe Madison's new memoir, Radioactive. Here's your host, Sway Calloway, with co-authors Dr. Dave Kenton and Joe Madison, the Black Eagle. First of all, I'd like to welcome all of you here to SiriusXM. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to give grace to God. I always start my show like that. Uh, we're here for a festive, a wonderful occasion. Uh, we're here to talk about the life and times of, in my opinion, one of the greatest radio voices that have that has ever existed. Um, this man has been highly influential in my career. Um, he's one of the few people that I followed and tried to emulate along the way, understanding the power behind this mic goes way beyond this room. Things that we say will impact people's lives. We could change generations just with our words. And it's him who set the blueprint on how to be a great uh, on-air personality and broadcaster. And he wrote this book uh, along with Dave Canton, Ph.D. Okay, it's called Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy and action on the air and in the streets. Joe Madison, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Madison, the Black Eagle. The Black Eagle, Joe Madison. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you, I've had a chance in my career. I've done this a long time. As you know, Joe, when I tell people how long I've done it, they, they don't tend to believe me. That's because you look <laughs> like you're in your 20s. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you Black look. don't crack. Black you know? don't crack, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I've, been on, I've done radio for 30 years. Wow. Wow. See? <laughs> the young man in the back is like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was um, early in 1990 in, in San Francisco, California is is when I started. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, at that time, you you had a woman by the name of Renelle that was really popular in, in, in Northern California. Um, you had different people um, on AM radio that was really popular. Yeah. Who was the... He he's he's since passed away. It was late night in San Francisco. Was it Rick Chase? No, keep going. Kevin Nash, Michael mm-hmm. Erickson. No, they, they, he was an older gentleman. Uh huh. And he, um, boy, he he was something else. Yeah. But he it was all talk. It was talk. It was all talk. It okay. was talk radio. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I I'll think of his name. And everybody sitting here can Google it. Y'all sitting there. With me. <laughs> but he uh, he just recently passed away. He had, okay. had Alzheimer's and. And there was a case you had long since left uh, the Bay Area, mm-hmm. yeah. But he was a he was a master. I think he he was late night and all late the, night. All the folks with with our with KGO is it KGO Talk Radio? Yeah, yeah San Francisco. He was on KGO. I love yeah. talking shop with somebody. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah KGO. Yeah. Um, well, KGO was a big station um, in, in, in the Bay Area. KDIA was a big station mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. KSOL at that time was a big station in the Bay Area. I was a teenager at the time when yeah. I, yeah. When I uh, first got on radio. But, Joe, I, I want to talk about you and your beginnings. You know, it's, uh, when I read through your book and just started really hearing your story, because I always wondered uh, where did your activism begin, you know. And, and this book starts to talk on that. But can you speak to that? Yeah, it, it was it was college. It okay. was um, uh, you know we're talking in the late sixties. Um, you know, Malcolm had been assassinated in seventy five, so I was not yet in college. And then uh, it was actually 
with black students on campus, mm -hmm. uh, and for the older people here, they will remember, we were fighting to get uh, black studies mm -hmm. on, on our campus. It was at Wisconsin State. And um, uh, we had to f fight to uh, get the administration to <laughs> to have black studies. Mm -hmm. and, and now, you know, look at the result. Dr. Canton mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, runs it. Mm -hmm. The director of African American Studies. Yeah. And, yes. And uh, and then and and so we've had to fight the administration. Uh, we had to petition, uh, and then once they agreed to uh, doing a black study, the next fight was to get instructors. Mm -hmm. So we had to fight to get African American professors like Dr. Canton mm -hmm. to to come on campus. I I was playing football, and uh, and so you know. Uh, the students always looked to athletes because they, we were popular. They knew us, and I got involved. Uh, I was actually captain of, of my freshman team. Uh -huh. uh, we were undefeated. It was the first time that, and this was when freshmen had their own season. And um, so I was looking forward to a varsity uh, career. I got. Myself, as I was entering to my sophomore year, I get a letter mm -hmm. from the coach who told me, "Don't show up for uh, for the season because we don't want your kind on the team." He, he told you that, right? Well, he, he and no, he wrote, wrote it. He in wrote a letter that we don't want on your stationery. And he said, uh, he, "You should be more like." And and there was a, a yeah, there was a an, another African American who mm -hmm. was just, just uh, who eventually got kicked out of the school because they had a major disturbance on that campus. I had long since left mm -hmm. and ended up at uh, uh, Washington University um, where the coach there said, look, we want you, we need you, uh, we're recruiting more people. But that was the era at that time. Um, if you go back and, and look at some of the major universities, mm -hmm. I think there was a case, I think it was the University of Wyoming Mm -hmm. They had a group of African-American uh, 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 football players. And same thing on their campus. We want black studies. We want African-American professors. And the, the, the football players were asked to participate to wear a black van, mm -hmm. an armband. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the coach told them if they wear an armband, um, that they would be kicked off the team. And they were all scholarship uh, players. And uh, they, they, they wore their armband. He kicked them all off. He kicked them off. He kicked every last one of them off the, uh, off the, off the team. And that was what was happening uh -huh. during that era. And it wasn't just at my school, but it was going on all over the school. A good friend of ours, Russ Parr. Russ Parr. Legendary uh, radio uh, personality. Legendary out, of, out with Radio One. Mm -hmm. Russ Parr was the, uh, uh, he was an all-star quarterback in high school, and his coach told him he had to cut his afro, mm. and he refused to cut his afro. He said he had a big, pretty afro, and coach kicked him off the team. Kicked him off the team. Now, that, that story out of Wyoming, the coach got fired because the team lost every game. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I, what I find fascinating when I, when I yeah. hear about that? Because but that's our, it, that, so the question is, 
But, oh, okay. The census is not being taped. You can do that, right? Uh, but, yeah, uh, I mean, films. Joe, Joe, Joe got him on his knees. You oh, see that? Yeah. Joe Madison got the white man on his knees. Oh, Look at that, man. He's come so go. far, man. Look at that guy. That's one of the best producers I've had. Now, see, you messing with. You know, now, you can mess with your show. You leave my fucking show. Yo, I can't do that. Put a dollar in that cuss job. I'm telling you. And I'll put a like, dollar in that cuss job. Don't mess my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just impressed. No, no. <laughs> you know, no. You leave him. You leave Sam alone. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, but um, but uh, that 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 really started it. And then uh-huh. I, you know, I I met uh, Julian Bond. Uh huh. And uh, just you know, it, 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 that became that's where it all started. And then after college, uh, you know. Uh, had one position which was in communications, uh-huh. and then NAACP said, "Would you like to run our branch, uh-huh. the Detroit branch?" And it's the largest branch. It had ten thousand members, and man, I was only twenty-four years old. Wow! And that's that wow. was rough. That well, no, no, it was rough. Let me tell you, that was hard. One board, the average board age was sixty-four, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, and and they they were fighting. This is interesting because nobody talks about it during the book. So these folk have been fighting each other from the day that Henry Ford was organizing and the UAW was organizing, mm-hmm. and they didn't like each other. After 30 years, 40 years, so the, uh, the, you know, the UAW had a group of black folk who were organizing the Ford, the Ford company, and then the Ford people had a group of black folk. And they had been fighting each other for decades. But what they were they all fighting over? The, what were they fighting over? Union. To organize uh-huh. union. Oh, this goes way uh-huh. back. That's what they this goes way back. Uh and and uh but they all were on the board of the NACP together, the Detroit NACP. And so the Henry Ford's people would pull me aside and say don't trust those UAW people. Mm-hmm. And, and then the UAW folks would pull me aside and say, don't trust them Henry Ford folks. Mm-hmm. And, and the, oh, yeah, and the churches would be organized that way because Henry Ford would contribute to mm-hmm. his church charity. And then the UAW had their church. Mm-hmm. And I was caught in the middle. And one board member pulled me aside because I was just like, what, man, have I made a mistake? What am, you know? And they said, look, young man, these folks are just testing you. Go ahead, do your thing. But you got to understand, they've got children your age. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't give their child the keys to the car, let alone the keys to the NAACP. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> this is just your baptism of fire. Uh-huh. And uh, that was that's how it got started. And um, I, 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 te- I think you remember the story. You found it fascinating mm-hmm. with... Uh, uh, when we boycotted the city of Dearborn. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep, great and story. Rosa Parks and I. Uh-huh. Because Deer- Dearborn was like, this was Detroit, and there's the line, and this was Dearborn. And so some black folks went over to, particip- to, to a, a, a shelter to, particip- to have lunch uh-huh. or a picnic. C- citizens of Dearborn were there and said, you folks can't use... Our parks, the parks are for just Dearborn residents. Now Dearborn was less than one percent black at the time, and so they've complained to the city council. City council 
passed an ordinance saying that unless you were a resident of Dearborn, you can't use their city parks. And that was really directed uh-huh. at folks who lived in Detroit. Uh-huh. And and it passed. And so uh, it got in the newspapers. Rosa Parks, many people don't know, actually worked for John Conyers. Most folks had forgotten Rosa Parks and mm-hmm. didn't really know who she was. It's hard to believe that. but They, f- they have forgotten? Rosa? Oh, yes. Uh, Dr. King talks about in, in 1965, he says in a speech uh, that it, he said, most of y'all have forgotten Rosa Parks uh-huh. when he was talking about the Voting Rights Act. Now, that was 10 years after Rosa Parks. Right. And most folks have forgotten. Right. I think it's a good point. What makes our relationship so great is I do civil rights history. So our stuff Joe's talking about, you know, I write about. Mm-hmm. So the Wyoming 14 with the football players. And like you said, Rosa Parks is like the Wyoming 14. Yeah, Wyoming 14. So a lot of things Rosa Parks is she did the bus boycott and she's trapped in history. Remember, she got kicked out the state because mm-hmm. of her work. So she goes up to Detroit and works with John Conyers. As a receptionist. Right, as a receptionist. The thing that's good about our relationship is that, you know, I teach this history, he lived it, and we have this relationship, this bond. So whether it's Julian Bond or Benjamin Hooks, these are the names that we talk to our students about. And also because it's in the, Dearborn's in 1985. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we think you got to wait 100 years to teach the 80s. The 80s are 40 some years ago already. This is very contemporary history. So I'm thinking about developing a course from 68 to the present. You know, looking at African history from 1968 to the present. And also with black studies, we had a University of Florida, what they call Black Thursday, the same type of struggle in terms of more black faculty, more black students. And these are the same discussions we're having in 2022, yes. how to get more black students, how to get more black faculty, mm-hmm. how to retain black faculty. So these are these the impact of institutional racism that we see. But again, because of his work, I'm in this position at University of Florida, but I know there's still a ways to go. Can't get complacent. Got to keep working. So that's what makes our relationship really good in terms of the historian mm. with the activists, and we could, you know, and, bounce off one another. And what he and see, and there's some things you, we you don't get in the history books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't get it. Um, and 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 so what I had to do was when he would he would say, "Well, here's the dates." Here's the events. I said, well, let me tell you what the hell really happened. Let me tell you what happened with that boycott. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, so Ro- because Rosa Parks, oh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, another fellow, uh, uh, Featherstone. And so we, it was, uh, what they call it now, uh, Black Friday or something. It was like just before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. So we decided... We're going to go out. We're going to call the boycott. And, and we did it on Thanksgiving Day because we knew it was a slow news day. Mm-hmm. And you don't get that in the history books. That's strategy. Mm-hmm. And we knew that, oh, Joe, Rosa Parks, Joe Madison calls a boycott of the city. And it was the entire city of Dearborn. And the slogan was, if we can't play in your parks, we're not going to pay in your stores. Mm. Okay. And, and, yeah. and the response was instant. It was spontaneous. Henry Ford picked up the phone and called every black leader that he had a relationship with to jump me. Now, they didn't jump Rosa Parks. 
to but jump. When you say jumping, I, mean, I don't mean physically. physically. Okay. No. Oh, okay. Right. But but in Detroit, you never know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, Shana. <laughs> and 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 so and so they were like a federal judge. And I can't men- I mention names because okay. they're not here to defend okay. themselves. But they know I'm telling the truth. They're in heaven now or wherever. <laughs> and um, and 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 they and they and so they called Mayor Coleman Young. And they called this federal judge, and they called this superintendent of schools, and they called that person, and then they called me. And uh, fast forward, they had a, a, a meeting on a Saturday morning. This was Coleman Young. I walked, and they told me, you got to come to this meeting. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a meeting where all these older leaders, every Saturday— uh, they probably called it a kitchen cabinet, mm-hmm. and and it was scrambled eggs and bourbon. I mean, you know, they just they just down there lying and planning and 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 you know what they're gonna do. And it was legit. I mean, they, you know, they were taking on some heavy issues for the city, but this was about this boycott because mm-hmm. Henry Ford was pissed, and because uh, it's Ford Motor Company's yeah. town. Oh, I gotta tell you. Um, they now you want to talk about politically jumping. Nobody gave you permission to call a boycott. Yeah, who gave you who permission? Who gave you permission to, to call boycott. a boycott? You got yeah. Henry Ford calling me. You got every. I mean, are you are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. And and I and and so Coleman Young was the, the chief guy. You know, top man. And 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 then Coleman Coleman Young said, you know. You remind me of myself when I was your age, and uh, but well, uh, you 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 didn't get my permission to call a boycott. boycott. Can you imagine and I, that? Well, and I was, you know, I said, well, Mayor Young, I didn't think I need your permission to call a boycott. Mm-hmm. He looked me. Well, don't be applauding. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. He looked me in the eye and said, boy. You need my permission to fart in this city. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he said and I'm fart. I'm going, whoa, okay. Yeah. And, uh, but we're going to work this out. And so we want you to call the boycott off. Too late. 70% of the population stopped shopping. There was a, a major regional mall. And, and, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Oh, yes, you are. I said, nope, I'm not going to do it. And then, so they tried to take over the boycott, uh, and and uh, got the president of the NACP, because uh, I was with uh, the national office by then, their political director. Mm-hmm. See, that's not in your history book. No, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> and uh-huh. and uh, and they then they had another meeting at a church, Hartford Avenue Baptist Church, like on a Wednesday or Tuesday. Same people had called Ben Hooks into a private meeting. Mm-hmm. No one, and I remember sitting in the pews. They were waiting for Hooks and I to walk in. We want him out of town. You got to take him out of town. Just I don't care where you take him, but you get him out of here. And I never will forget Ben Hooks uh, said, "Why? Oh, this is a mess. You know, da 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 da." And. Um, Ben Hook said something I always remembered. He said, now, boycotts are usually successful one of two ways. They're well-organized, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. or they are spontaneous. 
And he looked all those leaders and he said, I know it wasn't well planned because y'all didn't help him. Mm-hmm. So this was spontaneous. And he looked at me and said, come on, Joe, get up. We're out of here. And we walked out the meeting. And that boycott went on. It went on. And it went on, went to court because they agreed to rescind the bill, the, the ordinance. They, we sued in, in Supreme Court, Michigan Supreme Court. The Michigan Supreme Court ruled unanimously that it was unconstitutional because it was public parks. And we won. There you go, man. One of many victories. You know, and uh, and when I think about protests uh, then and think about protests now, you definitely don't need permission today, you know, to protest. We've seen it in many versions of itself. People protest. Sometimes they use their phones to protest. You know, they they use their social media platforms. One of the things you wrote about was um, the, the, the Black Lives Movement and it being decentralized, and that you like the idea of it being decentralized. Can you speak to that? Well, you know, you, you, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're the one that, I mean, Dr. King, yeah. you, you've, there's been many efforts like this. Well, go ahead. If you look at, right, if you look yeah. at Black Lives Matter, you know, mm-hmm. started with the Trayvon Martin case, yeah. and then mm-hmm. the hashtags. So obviously, you know, social media plays a role, and, you know, there's been mixed feelings, right? The older, older generation believe that the SNCC model, relationships mm-hmm. where we meet live together is not as effective as with the social media. But we've seen now it's changed because with social media, we see Black Lives Matter is global. Mm-hmm. We're seeing waves through memes and TikToks, how students, how students can stay in contact and have spontaneous movements at the spur of a, mm-hmm. of a, of a photo now. Yeah. And we see the power of social media with all the videos, with the police brutality. So it keeps us more uh, engaged that way. But so I think now the scholarship is saying that it's it is it's effective. But this is how millennials w- work in the first place. I know with mm-hmm. my kids, you know, it's all about the technology and the social media. So I think with Black Lives Matter being decentralized, it's not that one person who either gets a job or something happens and the movement stops. That you have different constituencies across the country, really across the globe, who can have these protests when necessary. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm, I mean Black Lives Matter have been critiqued about being decentralized, but again, it's an effective way to ensure sure that there's always a movement and not just being reactionary but proactive mm-hmm. so they're really doing good work these younger people mm-hmm. and i always listen to joe about getting young people involved because we know when young people get involved obama gets elected we know when young people involved aoc gets elected yeah. they don't realize how much power young people at 18 to 24 is a key demographic mm-hmm. we look at mm-hmm. georgia look at my state florida if they turn out democrats win and it's like Stacey Abrams said, it's math, not magic. Mm-hmm. You know, she figured out, you go it's to math, Georgia, magic, yeah. third of the voters are black. Yeah. If mm-hmm. we show up 90 percent, we're going to win. That's power. Mm-hmm. But I think that just gets overlooked sometimes because I think some people believe the system. Again, it's not a perfect system. We know that. But at the same time, it, you know, it works when you make it work mm-hmm. and hold leaders accountable. And that's what you get listening to this show every day. I'll give you an example. My wife, Roxana Walker-Kent, ran for school board in Hampton. Mm-hmm. Had a problem, saw a problem. She never ran for office ever in her life, and she won and got the most votes, more votes than the mayor. So that really was an empowering moment there. How you know We never ran a campaign in our life, made some flyers, mm-hmm. knocked on doors, looked up, she had the most votes. That's when it kicked in. Like, mm-hmm. man, he, Joe knows what he knows he's talking about, and we put that into action. So I definitely encourage young people to get out there. You don't have to wait. You have to mm-hmm. wait for Jesus coming back. You can go out there and make something happen. You don't have to always wait. Joe, let me ask you this, though, man. Like, you, you, 
you wore some big shoes at a young age, mm-hmm. and you you went after big institutions, you know, and that could be a scary proposition. Like at any time, I know you're the Black Eagle. But did you ever, were you ever fearful? Like, were you ever threatened? Oh, like, every day. Okay. I mean, uh, it, I mean, to, you have to keep in mind, and people don't think about it like they used to. Think about it. Of the Again, the leaders who were assassinated, yeah. who were killed. I mean, most, Malcolm was how old? 39. They, mm-hmm. I mean, these folks had not reached 40. And so, uh, the, the, you know, Julian Bond, Mm-hmm. And I uh, used to, when and when we would get together, we would talk about who's going to give each other's eulogy. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I really, I mean, we would, you know, because you know. So Julian said, because I said, well, Julian, look, man, you you are good, you can speak, man. So if I go before <laughs> you and some crazy out here, will you do my eulogy? And he said, no, man, I ain't doing your eulogy. No, I mean, I'm teasing, but. But but that's how we would have these conversations, half in jest. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, uh, uh, I, I can I can. My wife Sherry talks about uh, all the time when we lived in Detroit. Um, there was a bullet left on our front stoop in our house, so that when we when and she said somebody left the bullet. Now again, you know. You can take it one way or the other. I don't know how a bullet got on your front. Got on my but somebody yeah. put it there, and so you. But you didn't fret over it. That's the word. You, mm-hmm. It was just it. You know, it happened. It happened. Um, one of the people that used to, imp- I, I just loved loved him to death was um, uh, was uh, Dick Gregory. Mm-hmm. And uh, one Wait, of, can and, we apply when we say that man, name? God, Dick Gregory, you know, come on, bro. I mean, Dick, Dick taught <laughs> Dick taught me so much, and and one of the things that I learned from Dick never, you guess, if you remember, most people don't realize he never had bodyguards, mm-hmm. never had bodyguards, because Dick said God and fear cannot exist in the same place, mm-hmm. and Dick, all, all these folks, you know, these politicians and. I, I I I always remember this scene in AACP convention. We we're in a garage under a convention center, and 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 uh, Ben Hooks, blessing, you know, he had a a, a security group, and these are all volunteer <laughs> security folks, right? And some of them were police officers, but you know, and they kind of like to hang out with Ben because he went to all the parties and that kind. Of, and I, I'm just making, I'm telling y'all the truth here. Um, <laughs> and we were, and we were, and we were in the underground parking lot, and and it, it got and a uh, and a uh, <laughs> a car backfired, uh-huh. and. <laughs> Every last one of them Negroes hit the, <laughs> hit the deck. <laughs> ben, you might want to I mean, duck. <laughs> and Ben is standing there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then that's when and that's when Dick. <laughs> I said, you know, Dick, you are right. <laughs> you are so you always, you know, the only thing I was always very concerned about. Was uh, the the my children mm-hmm. and and they're you know Jason and Shauna's here, uh, Ejaz the grandson's over there. Nobody gonna mess with him. Uh, he's a track star, so he runs <laughs> he runs that. But but um, 
But I always tried to keep them out. Keep them safe, keep them out of it. Yeah, keep them out. Because the one thing uh, I I learned, you know, so, uh, but you always, I mean, we we did marches across the country, always. Nothing really has changed. These Mm -hmm. threats always exist. They always exist. Always, uh, uh, when... We when we went to Sudan to free slaves, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about that in the in book. The book. Um, but what made you? Why Sudan? Well, well, there was, there was a twenty five year civil war going on. Okay, mm-hmm. and and uh, and during the process of that civil war, slaves were being women and and children were taken slaves, mm-hmm. and and being sold into slavery. Uh, uh, in the book, I write about how a goat costs more than a woman. You said a goat costs thirty uh, a fifty dollars. A goat costs fifty dollars. A and woman costs thirty five dollars. And they did this, and this went on. That's something. Like, they, let's let that resonate. For yeah, a I mean, really. Yeah, like, and and so the, they were so they would raid a village, kill the men, mm-hmm. take the women. And this is Darfur. And, and that whole southern South, South Sudan, because South Sudan wanted to be its own nation, which it eventually became. And there was a group out of Switzerland uh, that uh, came to me because of the show uh-huh. and said, would you please, be, would you be willing to go to South Sudan? Now, it's a war zone. Uh, we're going to have to sneak you in. And uh, uh, we can't let people know you're going. Uh-huh. So that you can see firsthand what's happening. And they wanted you to report on it? They wanted me to come back and uh-huh. literally do it. Sh- that's right. Report. Use my platform to talk about the atrocities that were were, were going on. Uh-huh. And and I, I agreed to do that. And the atrocities we, I mean, I, and we, re- I mean, I saw, um, I saw a, a, I met a young girl who had to be no more than 16 that uh, she delivered a baby in a goat pen because mm. uh, she was owned by uh, one of these uh, Sudanese that owned goats. Uh, I, I met a girl. We had to separate. We had to separate. We'd go in and the sl- we and we went back and raised money. So we actually bought slaves. We actually bought the bought the, their freedom. Bought their freedom, mm. and then at night we would have to, they had to be transferred at night. So because if the Sudanese saw them, they, they they in essence would recapture them and kill. So they had to, and so I, I I when I first went, it I mean literally moved me to tears. They camped somewhere I can't tell you where in the day, uh, and. Under a huge tree, a tree that was just as widespread as this room, and we walked up on these all women and children, and you couldn't hear a sound. And there had to be hundreds of them. No child was crying because they were told keep quiet. They were they were and they were eating, actually living off leaves that wow. they would that they would boil in a pan. And um, uh, so we would record their names. So they, they, we would record the event. And I think I wrote, I think I mentioned this in the book about the young, one young woman who was forced to have sex with her brother in front of these soldiers. And she literally had, 
and you know gone went crazy mm. and we had to interview her away from everybody go to a tree of way away because she would be ostracized mm-hmm. if if most of the folks had found out about what she went through so we just this is and 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 I went back six times and uh and 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 so that was uh, you went back six times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. C- can I ask you when when you because we often talk about global politics on our show, not not as in depth as you do, um, obviously, and we try to inform the audience on how that ties into what we got going on in the country today, how that impacts us here in the states. When you went over there and came back, and you was telling this story, did people here care? Some some people. It, well, let's let's start with we're trying to convince Congress. Okay. That and and it was uh, the former uh, congressman from Newark, um, um, Payne, Payne, Donald Payne, mm-hmm. Donald Payne, who was Donald Payne was Mister Africa. Mm-hmm. He really cared, and I mean he was trying to convince uh, Congress that they've got to look into this. They've got to do something about it. The Congressional Black Caucus stepped up. I testified in, in Congress, uh, in, in, in the Senate, and in the House. Uh, so, you know, we were trying to convince people, you got to, you got to do something. Uh, trying to convince other media mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, to his credit, Al Sharpton went. Uh, Sharpton, uh, Sharpton uh, was about one of the only real uh, major names that decided, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And um, so there would be there would be like any talk show. You got a large group of people say, "Why are you worried about them?" Yeah, right. You know, right? Yeah. Why are you worried? Yeah. Well, you you were listening so, at the time. It's almost like when we look at Rwanda and mm-hmm. Ukraine. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rwanda genocide and the Clinton right. Right. We look at Ukraine, all the attention that somehow we look at Black Lives internationally. Like we have a we have a value system. Mm-hmm. What, what we yeah. got. So Ukraine gets the attention. Rwanda genocide. Millions died. And everybody put their hands up. Even you had a Bill Clinton president. You've had African Americans at the leadership. But again, in terms of what do you value? What's our interest? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get sacrificed. You know. And it should be whether it's Ukraine, Rwanda, Darfur it's, should get the same attention. They're human beings. Yeah. They're human beings. Human beings. Human beings. Yeah. And, and we were trying to convince the a government, the United States government, to declare it genocide. The person who stepped up, and and uh, and and that was uh, Colin Powell. Colin Powell. Colin Powell was the first. He was the first person in that administration. He was Secretary of the State, who who declared it genocide, and the story behind the story. Now the historians were right. He did it, but this was this was the story behind the story. Uh, Colin Powell. Oh, and Walter Fonchoy went with me. Mm-hmm. He went on one of the trips. Former Congressman Walter Fonchoy, and and so after after one of the trips we got back, we were we were summoned to uh, Colin Powell's office. Now we didn't meet with him initially. We met with his chief of staff, which was like meeting with him, because mm-hmm. uh, you got to understand it, it, there's ways that they communicate. It's called mm-hmm. back channeling. Mm-hmm. And so the chief of staff said, keep doing what you're doing. And we were protesting, demonstrating, uh, you know, and he said, keep doing what you're doing. In essence, that's the word coming through the, from Colin Powell to the chief of staff to, mm-hmm. to us. 
And then, you know, a few months later, Colin Powell went before the United Nations, I think, and, and, and I, uh, I, I can't quite remember exactly what agency, but he declared it a genocide. And when, uh, when South Sudan became, is now the youngest country, the newest country on the continent of Africa, we went to the flag, uh, what do they call it, when a country is born, Raising mm-hmm. the flag, mm-hmm. raising. Mm-hmm. I'd never. That's quite an experience to be at a place where the a country is born. Yes. I mean to see it, and and it was you know all the big. I mean all the world leaders were there. The you know even the the president of Sudan was there because the <laughs> war was over. You know, and uh, we were there. Big dinner reception, and um, a, a, a producer. Not quite as good as Sam here. Um, <laughs> the one who was on his knees, right? <laughs> um, uh, he, I, he said, uh, well, I said, well, he says, you think I can go in and get Colin Powell to come out? And we were outside. And he, he went on in, and, 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 and he actually he said, oh, Joe Madison? Yeah. And Colin Powell actually came out and um, kind of winked and all that. Now, and I'm having my microphone. He says, now, Joe? Yes, sir. I want you to tell the world I was the first that declared it a genocide. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I want y'all to know that. You, now, you got that, right? Play it back. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and 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 uh, and And we have that interview. Yeah. We have that interview. Wow. Um, and, and and again, this was all before George Clooney went to Darfur. Mm-hmm. And and I've always been, you know, I for you know it, he got. Of course, he's a big star. Yeah. No ifs ands buts about. It. So when he went, I was happy he went. Mm-hmm. I you know I really was. And he went whole hog. He really did. You think he uh, he was really truly invested? Oh, he was true. Yeah. No, I, we talked. We uh-huh. talked. He was truly invested. He got arrested. He we we got arrested in front of the Sudan embassy. Every every was what was it? Every Wednesday or, or I forgot. But every it was like we we I think it was once a week, lunchtime. huh? Lunchtime. Lunchtime, Jason. We would have a, a protest in front of the Sudan embassy, and folks would get arrested. So Charlie Rangel, former he got mm-hmm. arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, ben and Jerry, they showed up. Mm-hmm. They got arrested. And, and, of course, they had a big crowd when they got arrested because everybody thought they were going to get ice cream. Ben and Jerry. And so... Uh, it was like, boy, it, it was just one. John Lewis uh-huh. John came Lewis. out. John Lewis yeah, got yeah, arrested. Yeah, yeah, right, right, John yeah. Lewis. Western power. And that's what, yeah. and, and so every day we'd use the show, uh-huh. and we'd say, okay, this is a rest day, and, and we'd, we'd, we'd handcuff ourselves to the door of the embassy. Uh-huh. We handcuffed them. Oh, yeah. We, we, and now... <laughs> Uh, yeah, because this won't be in the history books, but we, we had a hard time finding 
handcuffs, you know. I mean, uh-huh. so somebody went out to some adult bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all have furry pink handcuffs. Huh? Yeah. Was that? We, 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 we had to take the fur off. You took the fur off, <laughs> and the police would come up and laugh and go, "Listen, they, they, where'd y'all get these handcuffs?" Mm-hmm. And then they take they take the fake ones off and put the real ones on. Mm-hmm. And, and we had, we, I never will forget, we had, I think in the book we wrote about five grandmothers. You remember yep, five grand, five grand. Five grandmothers got together and decided all five of them were going to get arrested and handcuffed themselves. They handcuffed themselves. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's how we that's what that's how we use the the platform. Yeah. Would you consider Sudan like um, <sighs> one of your proudest milestones and accomplishments? No, the proudest milestones are raising these kids. These kids over there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had to say that. Because <laughs> 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 they were looking like, huh? Where's he going to go with this? You know, no, second, it, second to those actually, kids. Though. Actually, actually, you got to give credit to their mothers. Yeah. They, 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 they got their mother's intelligence, mm-hmm. I, you know. But, I said the uh, same thing about my kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that way we both can go yeah, home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids are, I, I want to, let me, uh, let's go back a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah. Because when I first um, start learning about Joe Madison, it was the name, the Black Eagle, <laughs> that really, really um, grabbed my attention. I just thought it just sounded powerful to say it, the Black eagle not the bald eagle or the golden <laughs> eagle the black eagle you know and then i you know i never even thought as many first of all let me say this i am forever indebted to this man forever so if he asks me i don't care what i'm doing can you he doesn't even have to complete the sentence because of him i got inducted into the radio hall of fame it was because of joe madison who spoke up because I wouldn't have never said anything. I wouldn't. Have, that's how I am. I've never. I don't. Really, I wouldn't have done it. And it was because of you that I was able. This year, matter of fact, last year we finally had the ceremony because of the pandemic yeah, happened. Yeah. And um, uh, so I'm forever indebted. And so uh, reading this book uh, was such a treat for me because I felt I got to know you closer and I got to see some of the parallels. At least that I consider. You know, the parallels. Okay, I'm just uh, uh, like people just, think they know us. Because uh-huh. they no, listen to us, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they think they know. I mean, I, 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 one of uh, one of the most. I don't know you. The the difficulty with a historian mm-hmm. is, is well, you with me. He he writes like a history professor. I don't talk like a history professor. Yeah. So I'm. I wanted the book. That's why it's not as it's one of these things. It's so that you could you can probably read it in a week and go through it. Uh, but people think. We, you know, we've always worn these suits and ties, and and how y'all like this shirt I got? I like that. Yeah, I <laughs> Jason got that for me. I like T-shirt blazer combo. I like that T-shirt well, blazer yeah. combo. Yeah, yeah, he did yeah, you right. Yeah. I see your shoe game too. I wasn't gonna mention it, but um, it's nice to see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They don't get all the credit. Now, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but but I but I I I had to be very honest about. Being uh, abandoned as a uh, a kid, yeah. a child at two yeah. years old, mm-hmm. and I don't know what happened. I don't know. I, all I know what my grandparents told me was, you know, they came to the house and I was two. And sister was like a, a year younger, and they found me and trying to I, the way they tell it, trying to help her. Daughter, and, yeah. and my grandparents reared me, and and. Um, 
and and it wasn't any hostility toward my mother or my or my father. I, I I mean I knew them. They were in and out of our lives, but we were literally I was literally raised by grandparents, uh, and uh, you know it's, uh, and I'd spend summers with my father in Flint, Michigan. Um, every now and then I'd see my mother. She lived in Indianapolis. Um, I I talk about in the book. Uh, actually. My summers were spent hauling uh, trash. I hauled trash. My mm-hmm. grandfather was a trash hauler. Today he would be, uh, and he would be in waste management. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if I was smart back in those days, I would have went into waste management. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and 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 we'd haul trash, and we'd take it to. In those days, we called it a dump. Mm-hmm. Today, it's what. Recycle. It's a landfill. It's still and, dump, right? and anybody yeah. out here who knows it, so the summers would be spent going through the dump. You separate the newspapers, put them in a pile. The rags, put them in a pile. The metal, put them in a pile. Now this is just this is summer. On no, there aren't any trees mm-hmm. and stuff. And then you load it up on weekends, put it in the truck, go to. In those days, we called it what in the neighborhood. A junkyard. Mm-hmm. And you sold the paper, the rags, the metal, and that's, you got paid. They would, today, we would call it what? Recycling. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, that's how, I, that's how I made, uh, made, made money. That's how we lived. That's how he, we, he, we lived. And so, and I didn't think about this till Dr. Canton. Uh, you know, really put the book together, and I had to really sit down and read it. That just you, you think about it, you go from working on a dump to interviewing the first black president of the United yeah. States, and you know, yeah. in the in the Oval Office, mm-hmm. and he called us. Yeah, Obama called us. Do you, could, you know, Valerie Jarrett, would you mm-hmm. please come over and uh, the president would like you to interview him. And everybody was trying to get an interview with him. And it's really out of respect to all of, of you here. It was the audience. Mm-hmm. And this was midterm. Mm-hmm. And he needed that. He needed the, uh, the, the the Senate. He needed us to get out. And, and the economy that was, was in 2010. 2010. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um and, and man, that was that was a rough year for him because he had to hold on to yep. the House and mm-hmm. the Senate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And got Obamacare passed. Right, that's right. Yeah. That, that's right. And mm-hmm. and um, uh, but the, the 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 funny story on that one <laughs> was um, uh, we we go in. Uh, first of all, you're not going because I said, well, well, we can do this by phone. Uh-huh. So if the president calls you, sway. And he's been on your show. I mean, he, he calls by phone, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no different, Joe. But I'll, I'll take it. But, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. In those days, you know, in those days, because and 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 you and, and you know, and that's what I said. Well, we can do it by phone. Oh no, we want you to come into the Oval Office. Wow. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Now this is radio. 
Well, this, I mean, we weren't Zooming, and this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is, come on, man, it's radio. No, 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 we want you. Well, I, I, look, I'm old enough to know. I know what that's all about. Uh-huh. You know. That's the photo op? Yeah, thank yeah. you. Who's going <laughs> to turn down it? You know, I mean, I don't have, I didn't know TV. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, two things happened that day. One was my producer, engineer, my producer got he got replaced <laughs> he got replaced mm-hmm. by the program director <laughs> so all of a sudden he's the producer he's the producer <laughs> he's the uh-huh. producer the engineer uh-huh. and and so I, oh yeah I'll, I'll carry your bags you're talking about being on your knees this boy was car- <laughs> man this boy, let me tell you now this white boy was carrying bags <laughs> and quit scraping up the knees oh man he was like you know and, and, and then what's so funny was he really didn't know how to do it all Obama came over and said wait a minute you might want to plug this in over here. I'm serious. I'm serious. But we got it done. And and so, and they said, well, you got 10 minutes with the president. Mm -hmm. It takes Obama 10 minutes to answer one question. question. And so I had never interviewed a president. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I said, well, so I went to somebody who did, and they said, look, that's staff time. Mm -hmm. That's what the staff tells you. He will tell you when the interview. We went for almost 25 minutes, a half an hour. So yeah. you, you had 25 minutes of the leader of the free world's and, and attention. He, and let me tell you, he was cool. He said, come on, we're going to... Uh, uh, you're Obama, right? Yeah, okay, okay. okay thank and you. I'm here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, hey, that, Joe. That, and, yeah, yeah, wait a minute. And, and, and you, you, you sit... Yeah, you, you, and right, you know the, the iconic uh, fireplace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, he said, I want you to sit right here with all the world leaders sitting, Joe. Right here, right here. Yes, Mr. President. All right, we got we sitting over there in the yeah. fireplace mm-hmm. over there, uh-huh. and he we're getting all buttoned up and everything. We do the we do the interview. Uh, my wife, who is really the best producer I've ever uh-huh. had, uh, shout out to her, Sherry. Sherry is it? You know, she's all in the book too. Oh, oh she, yeah. she's like Gladys says between every page, uh-huh. you, know, <laughs> you know the song, and and. Uh, and she's, she, so she waits and she says, uh, Sherry says, uh, President doesn't have on his wedding ring. Wow, she noticed that. <laughs> she noticed that. I, what? I said, I asked, I, should I ask him why he doesn't have his wedding ring on? Uh-huh. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Might be problems in the White House. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, and she she's just okay, and 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 so, but but the funny thing was, the next week, on the front of National Enquirer, was the story that the president didn't have on his wedding hmm. ring. Wow! I should have asked. I told you I should have. <laughs> I should have asked. It was the it was the front. I said, but that's the National Enquirer. Yeah. Well, you know, and yeah, but you know, you could have had that scoop, you know. Oh, wow! <laughs> and but but so we do the interview, and the helicopter, you could hear Marine One mm-hmm. landing outside the the Oval Office, and woof, 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 you could hear it, and, and the interview's still there, and and we get so it's time to obviously time to wrap up, mm-hmm. and he says, oh, last question, he says. 
Oh, man, Brother Madison, uh, man, I'm sorry. We're going to have to wrap this up. You know, my ride has gotten here. <laughs> and you don't want a brother to miss his ride. <laughs> now, wait a minute. It gets better. So, so we wrap everything up. President leaves, gets in and, and flies off on the helicopter, Marine One. So this program director turned producer turned engineer mm-hmm. um, <laughs> went down where the press room is, right? Mm-hmm. And and he 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 pulls up. He says, "Oh, you know what, Joe? Wow, let me hold on a second. I better make sure I got that interview." Oh, Ooh. and and. Now, he did. That's what he said. You know, let's check to see if I got that interview. Did he have no, it? No, no I, I, that's when I should have started the cuss jar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said, look, my man. Now, he's my boss. Uh-huh. I mean, he's my... Son. I said, if you don't have it, I'll fire your ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. are we, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. President's on Air Force One going... Yeah. But he had it. He had he it. Had, oh but my I God. tell that joke. He laughs. He laughs. Joke. That no, joke. he's not here. He's not here. <laughs> but but yeah. but he but but that 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 was the that was some of the uh, oh, the, the the uh, it's uh, in the book, and that's what I tr- mm-hmm. you had the difficulty was working with him. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I mean, it's just. Well, like so, I'm coming from writing a book. And I'm reading thirty-page chapters. You know, yeah, it's, it's a whole different, yeah. different style. It's more storytelling. This is storytelling. You want shorter chapters, He's a professor, right? You so know. just making that transition. Yeah. But obviously, those stories. It's a great book with great stories. Yeah, great it's short stories. It's a great read. That one can read. It's a great read, like yeah. you said. But yeah. I think also I know Joe. You know, Joe and I we're both Gemini's. The whole crew was a Gemini. Yeah. Our editor. Was a Gemini. And, and, uh, He's a Gemini. The guy who did the covers a Gemini. And the guy who Team did Gemini. the covers a Gemini. That's a lot of and, crazy and in one room, boy. That's a lot. That makes sense, Joe. I picked up some. Ah, oh, you got those characteristics right there. So he's June sixteenth. I'm June seventeenth. Oh, my my birthday. Yeah, and June the Gemini. editor. The editor started out being. Uh, 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 Byron Monroe. Byron Monroe. Yeah. He started out who was CNN editor of Ebony Magazine, mm-hmm. and he edited, uh, uh, he was just a, magn- I say was, he started out being the editor, and we were all, you know, going through the book, and, and Brian in- dropped dead. He was mm-hmm. a young man. He, I think, what, about 50 or yeah, so 50 years old. old, came down from for breakfast one morning, and we're in the, in the middle of the book. And uh, dropped dead. he dropped dead of a heart attack. And uh, we ended up having to get a, uh, another editor, obviously. And, and he had already recommended uh, right. someone to help us who was from Costa Rica. Uh-huh. They had worked together at San Jose News. Not uh-huh. far from where you yeah. All right. right. And um, so this, we had to, you had to work with the, we had right. to work Carl with Carl Carla, yeah, Carl, Carl, Carl. Yeah, lives in Costa Rica. Right. Mm-hmm. So we were working, you know, in a back Zoom meetings, the, back and forth, but you know. But there was a cultural issue. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, and the culture issue was, well, let me give you an example, you know, so the editors, well, I have new respect for editors. I mm-hmm. mean, God, I wouldn't want to be one mm-hmm. for nothing in the world. I mean, they, 
the, everything had to be meticulous. I mean, this book is indexed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This book is indexed. And he said, are you sure you did this? You got to contact anybody who's alive and that you mentioned. And you got to make sure that they this is right. That's hard to do. And that was hard, hard to, to do. do. And yeah. he really pushed. He really pushed. And But the, one of the funny stories was about the four tops helping raise money for a sedan. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, <clears throat> and so we were picking photographs. Yep. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. that story? We were picking photographs, and there's this iconic photograph of, of I'm with uh, Levi Stubbs. Levi Stubbs. And we're Stubbs. backstage hamming it up because we helped them get their star on the walk of fame. Mm -hmm. And I said, that, that photograph's just got to be in that book. And the editor said, well, who's Levi Stubbs? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I know who Eddie Kendricks is. Uh -huh. uh, and, uh, who's but, Levi Stubbs? But those Stubbs? are the, you know, we were. We had a couple of those moments. Someone else who didn't recognize, you know. You know it's what, a translation. We had a translate, had cultural translation. translation. Yeah. What, I, what I appreciate about the book, your producer, um, Sam. Uh, Sam, great guy he is. Sam Nassau. Sam. And by the way, his mother is here. His mom's here also? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you should have said that because you have a beautiful son. <laughs> Even when he's standing. <laughs> so he told me we got five minutes. So I can't ask all the questions that I... Okay. I There's a lot of questions I have for you, but I'll ask you offline. But one of the things I appreciate is that when you talk about this editor who dropped dead and had a heart attack, you yeah. talk about Brian your, Monroe, Brian yeah. Monroe uh, rest in power, Brian Monroe, Brian Monroe, Brian Monroe. As you, you, you talk about things I didn't know. I didn't know you had high blood pressure issues. You know, um, you talked about your health. Well, the high, high blood pressure came with being almost 300 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, prostate. I weighed, I weighed 200 and... Almost two hundred and seventy pounds, or something like that. I was, yeah. I uh, have, a, I literally have a, a suit coat. I, I have a suit coat, uh -huh. a, t a tuxedo, because I was told by Dick Gray, always keep one, uh, coat, that when after you've lost weight to remind you. Mm. I literally, could could, um, I have this photograph where, uh, that you got my uh, Sherry. And, Got you know next to me, and I could button the suit coat mm. uh -huh. with her standing next to me, literally. And I I kept that coat, and and then it was prostate, prostate. cancer. Yeah. Um, that, um, that that and I was going through that when I went through the hunger strike, mm -hmm. and I didn't tell anybody, and that's why we delayed the book mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't want people to think I was using. Uh, the prostate cancer. Prostate cancer uh -huh. to promote the book because the book was finished when October. But so this past hunger, hunger strike, strike. Yeah, you, hunger you strike. was dealing yeah. with prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah. I, but it, it it worked out. Uh, I'm I'm taking this therapy now. Um, my my PSA, and I say this because this is recorded. Every every last one of you men yeah. and any woman, you know, you make sure you get that. That prostate exam. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, it, you, you, it's, you please make sure you do it. My uh, my prostate is spiked almost up to 49. Uh, my PSA, and uh, uh, and that was during the hunger strike. But wow. The doctor said, "Go ahead with it," and they started a a new therapy. Uh, and after my first month, 
of uh, of my uh, therapy, my prostate went from forty nine down to zero point. Okay, wow. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You're meant to be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're meant to and be I here. think that's another good thing about the book, sharing those stories, because we know what COVID-19, the destruction had on black communities, and at, at health, health is wealth, getting the exams, the preventive exams. Talked about the story with uh, Miss Sherry and the stroke. And, and she had a stroke. Right. We talked uh-huh. about that in mm-hmm. the book. Yes. She literally had a stroke while we were doing our show. We were in the, we were in the middle of our show, and... and, uh, and uh, uh, she, I said, something's wrong, but I had done shows on stroke. And I, I said, I think you're having a stroke. And she, no. And um, uh, she just kept putting it off. And I said, no. And then she decided to go to the ladies' room. And uh, what, what's her name? Laura Coates. Laura Coates was in the ladies' room. Wow. And Lo- yeah, Laura Coates was in the ladies' room. said, Mrs. Madison. You, and this is look in the mirror, and they were back and forth. Look in the mirror, and face you know the signs mm-hmm. were there. Yeah, and said I think you have you've had a stroke, and we rushed off to the uh, hospital, and then we we did a show on uh, on strokes, and mm. and so that's what the book is really. That, that's it, really it, what it's, it's about. It's, it's you know, and then there's the whole thing of finding out who my father was. He didn't know who his biological father was. Right. And you found out through, through uh, Ancestry. Doc, finding, your find, finding Your Roots. Skip finding Your Roots. Com. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Professor Gates, my uh-huh. main man, Skip Gates. Five years it took him to do it. We didn't have to start the We had to stop the right because uh, we had to stop because he signed some of the PBS. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't talk about it until after the show premiered in April 2019. I, so, you, we had to wait. so we had to wait mm. two, three years, you know. So, But it all worked out because, again, we ended up doing this after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So life is timing. Did yeah. you meet so your new family? Out. Did you meet your... Yeah, let, let me... Uh, Skip Bates <laughs> calls them and said, we finally finished after five years. I uh, got good news and bad news. Uh, good news, uh, <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah. He said, well, uh, good news, we're finished at five years. Bad news is, I got to tell you, because of legalities, that uh, Felix Madison, who, uh, up, I've known, who that, that is my father, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not biologically, uh, he's not your biological father. And this was on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Really? And uh, uh, because the DNA, they did their DNA, and and uh, we, I said, well, who is? And he began telling the story. We found out because a younger brother, the younger brother, Kip was it? Kip Kip mm-hmm. Smith was his name. He thought he was the only son, the only child, and he always. So he went and did his DNA. Somehow it got it, 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 wow. C.C. Moore found it and said and that started the DNA tracing and then come to find out there's another brother and this brother I'm the oldest mm-hmm. uh, Kip's the youngest and then the, the so there were two brothers there are two half brothers the one half brother the middle one we went to elementary junior high school, and high school together. Wow. We, we literally ran in the same neighborhood. I suspect dated the same girls. <laughs> um, um, and, and, and I played football. You know, I played football. I had a little rep back then. And he said, oh, we always knew Joe Madison? Yeah, we knew. And, 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 and yeah, man, I know you. 
and and um, That's uh, great. Uh, and so you know, we we ended up getting. They brought us. Uh, uh, they brought us all together. Uh, PBS brought mm-hmm. us all together mm-hmm. in Washington D.C. And and as they were taping, uh, we were supposed to be talking about <clears throat> our father, and all three of us broke out into. Uh, he was a Rolling Stone man, <laughs> and the and the, uh, and the and the producer said, "Stop, stop, y'all just you know come on." And he and I started talking about well, and he pulled out photographs of of the biological father. Uh huh. Did you look like him? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's in wow. the book. It's in the book. Yeah, yeah. It's in the book. It is in the book. And and. And uh, uh, but I always tell this story about my. I have a cousin who ain't my blood cousin, uh, who that a half an hour before Skip Gates called me on Saturday to give me the news, and so this cousin, Felix Madison's nephew, called me and wanted to borrow money from me because <laughs> he had a project uh-huh. right, right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> a project, project. Yeah. and uh, <clears throat> and and I said damn it Skip <laughs> if you had just called me a half an hour later I could have told that man I ain't giving you no money I'm not related to you <laughs> I love it yeah man. but um but the the, the th- so we had to put that in the book. There's yep. a there's a chapter yeah. about that and mm-hmm. and um, uh, the 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 part that hit me the hardest was my biological grandfather. And this goes back again to this history right. connection was uh, kicked out of the was was part of the Tuskegee experiment. Mm. The, uh, where black men were mm-hmm. uh, were uh, used as part of the syphilis experiment, and they kicked him out of the Tuskegee experiment because he did not have enough Negro features. I mean, and that's written on the medical. That's did not a, have on enough the medical exam features. on the medical mm-hmm. chart that we're rejecting him. Because he does not look like a Negro, too light, mm-hmm. too light, and that was and, and and the sad thing he ended up dying of syphilis. Wow, he could have been cured. Yeah, he um, could have been cured. That was that that was what really uh, bothered me because I never thought I had that close connection uh, to something as historical Historical, as what yeah. Dave Doctor Canton talks about mm-hmm. and. And uh, and writes about. Okay, uh, man, this is amazing. I, I don't want to necessarily end on that note because um, mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was kind of sad. Well, let me, let me, <laughs> so, let me end on this note. Okay, and mm-hmm. that is that that let me about Sway being in the the Hall of Fame oh, and how no. that came about. And I say this because first of all, thank you for doing this because you get up early in the morning. Oh man, hey man, I love you, brother. Man, you I only hope I've done you justice. No, no, please. Sway, Sway, Sway um, is, um, is 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 a, a unique human being. So when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I've always had this attitude. I'm not going to be the only one. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the first one. And, 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 and I'm not going to be the last one. And so when 
<clears throat> I decided to do my acceptance speech, and 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 I got to give credit Dave Gorab, and who's out here. He 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 did the introduction. I made a conscious decision uh, in front of and what was a all white audience, mm-hmm. and and I didn't know how they would ex- receive it. Uh, but I said, wait a minute, there are folks who should have been in this Hall of Fame before me, and the man sitting next to me should have been there long before mm. I got into mm. the Hall of Fame. Mm. Mm. And that's why I mentioned Sway and mm. Donnie Simpson mm. Mm. and Martha Jean the Queen. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the list goes on. Thank you. And, and, guess, and guess what happened the next year? Donnie Simpson. Yeah. Me, yep. they all we all Breakfast Club, Breakfast Club. We all got inducted yeah. into the Hall of Fame, and and so that that's you know I'm not because because I I I remember being fired uh, at mm. WWDB uh-huh. uh, because uh, they they recruited me. I was only black in talk radio. I mean on that channel FM, big powerful FM station, midnight to five thirty in the morning. And and uh, they started getting letters. This was before social media, saying that uh, he's talking about black people too much. And I was the only black person on this mm-hmm. in the station. And they literally pulled me into a meeting with the owner and the program director and said I couldn't talk about black folk wow. on the air. Wow. And so, okay. So the next day, I interviewed Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> that's a that's a high note to end on, right? <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> and then the day after that, I got fired. There you go. <laughs> Yo, give it up for Joe Madison, man. Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy and action on the air and in the streets. Yes, man, love you, love uh, you man. Dave Canton, thank you. No, he brought the pops. You. Thank you. And Dad's think, an audience. I think we got books for everybody. You got books for we got books for each and every one of you. Every You're gonna enjoy this book. All right. All right. I feel like Oprah. <laughs> everybody gets a book. <laughs> the Black Eagle, one more time, y'all. The Black Eagle. And Dr. Canton. Dr. Canton. Dr. Canton. Dr. Canton. Dr. Canton. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.